Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. And I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Just can't give up now Oh no, I've come too far from where I started nothing like worship. And I praise God for the privilege of being present. Let us pray, most holy and everlasting God. We bless your name. Because Lord, when we look at all of the evidence, we know that we are here only because of you. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of worship, and most of all, we thank you for your divine presence. I ask of God for a fresh anointing on all of us, and I pray, dear God, that every word that I think and say will give your name glory. And I ask of God that this word will feed your people and that we will draw closer to you as a result of understanding who you are. Lord, thank you for every minute, every second, every hour, and thank you for preaching power. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse number 27 states that when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met, Pastor Joseph, by a demon-possessed man from the town. And for a long time, this man had not worn clothes. In other words, he was naked, and he did not live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. And this text caught my attention because I realized that many of us are naked, but we don't realize that we are. 
And I named this sermon No Longer Naked because that's what Jesus does for us. Naked, not covered, bare, having no clothes as a naked body. You're unarmed, defenseless, open, exposed, having no means of defense or protection against an enemy attack. Naked, open to view, not concealed, to be manifested. Naked, to be destitute of worldly goods. That's what Job said. What did Job say? Naked, I came into the world, and naked, I'm going out of the world. Guilty and exposed to divine wrath in Revelations 3. To be naked is plain, undisguised, as the naked truth. Naked, not enclosed in a pot or a case, and as naked seeds of a plant. Naked, being without leaves or arms as a naked stem of a trunk. What we get from this initial intro is that all of us are naked without a covering from Jesus Christ. This week, I'm sure all of you have heard the story about the outrage and protesting over the death of Daniel Prude in Rochester, New York. It happened in March, Minister Derrick, but body camera footage from his encounter with police was released on Wednesday. And back in March, this man named Joe Prude called 911. He wanted help for his brother Daniel, and Daniel had a history of mental illness and was behaving erratically. The police arrived, ministered bread, and immediately handcuffed him. They put a hood over his head and pinned his head and body to the ground, and he was taken away in an ambulance. And then a week later, Daniel Prude died. His family's been trying to figure out what happened ever since. And on Wednesday, the family lawyer received police footage of the event and shared with the local media. And protests soon followed. A black man, Prudus, seen walking in the street, imagine this, in Rochester, New York. It's snowing. He's wearing no clothes. He's yelling at the police officer. He spits at them. The police cover his head with a white bag, and Prude yells at the officers to give him their guns. Then when Prude moves to stand up, the officers hold him down on his stomach and pin his head and his legs. And this is where the video gets especially hard to watch because you can hear Prude making these awful noises as he struggles to breathe. Does that remind us? Of anybody else and then he gets goes limp and at this point the officers roll him onto his back and Prude seems unresponsive the EMTs arrive and immediately start chest compressions Prude's hands are still cuffed behind his back and his family's been trying to figure out what happened to him for the five months they finally got an answer the lawyers for the family made a public record request for the footage. And so yesterday, Wednesday, after seeing that video, Prude's family held a press conference. And his brother Joe said he called the police for help. He never expected that his brother would die or be lynched as a result of a 911 call. I bring that story to your attention 
because this text today is about being clothed in our right mind. And it's also about a mental health issues, and mental health issues that we rarely, rarely address, especially in the African-American community. Our scripture today uses the word clothed in a special way. As many of us were baptized in Jesus, we have been clothed with Christ. And Paul says in Galatians that there is no Jew, there is no Greek, or there is no slave or free, there is no longer male or female. But all of you are one in Christ. What Paul is saying is that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we are all one in Jesus. We are no longer individuals scattered, but we are one body in one Lord. So this baptism displaces ordinary identities based on an ethnic origin, social status, and gender categories. Spiritually speaking, baptism recloses us as our sinful natures are washed away as we receive our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as our Lord. Can I get an amen? So when we go in the water next week for baptism, it's symbolic of washing away the old and rising up with the new. A more literal use of the word clothed occurs in our gospel reading, and here a man described as demon-possessed was so mentally disturbed that he literally wore no clothes. What we need to realize is sometimes when we see people along the street with no clothes, maybe they have a mental issue and they're just not thinking clearly. Later in the reading, he has been healed by Jesus and is discovered by the townspeople to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now, many of us with Southern roots, and especially in African-American churches, have grown up hearing that scripture, not as literally written, clothed and in his right mind. Most of the time, we say that the man was sitting clothed and in his right mind. So actually, we have heard it paraphrased and preached that he was clothed in his right mind. But there are two things here. Deacon Shireen, he was clothed, no longer naked, and he was also in his right mind. And also, the scripture teaches us that anybody who's trying to survive with Je without Jesus is naked. Anybody who's trying to get through this life without a lawyer and savior is naked. To connect being clothed in our right mind, we're clothing ourselves with Christ. So both examples today, the demons of possessed man and Daniel probe, we have the coincidence of a deranged person who needs compassion and healing. In our gospel, it's the story of a demon-possessed man, so-called demonic, who is identified by the scriptures by a man of the city. And in the gospel story, I want you to watch the movement of Jesus. As Jesus encounters this man, he says Jesus takes the initiative to deliver him from his demons. Ever met somebody demon-possessed? Ever met somebody naked? You see, we can be naked physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, with no money in your account. I'd say you're pretty much naked financially. And sometimes we need to stop to see what it is that the Lord wants us to do. I thought it was fascinating that Jesus took the time to go over to the other side. Jesus said, let's go over and see the Gentiles and how they're doing over there. As a church, we have to be intentional in going to see how the Gentiles are doing in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus acts on his own prerogative and without any appeal from the possessed man on his community. But half of the story is only the demons with whom Jesus is engaged. They are a legion as they named themselves when Jesus began expelling them from the man. And they are the ones speaking with the man's voice when he says, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Even the demons can identify Jesus, can you? Even the demons know when they're in our Lord's presence, do you? Even the demons are willing to acknowledge who he is. And finally, they beg him not to order them to go back into the abyss, but instead to let them into a large herd of swine feeding on the hillside. So he gave them permission. Minister Benita, one of the things I noticed in this text is that sometimes we ask for things we really don't need. The, the, they said they wanted the demons to go into the pigs, right? But at that time, they did not realize that the pigs were going to go to the abyss and they were going to end up dead. And sometimes we need to be cautious about what we ask the Lord to do. There's some places we don't need to go. There's some people we don't need to see. There's some things we don't need to hear. There's some things that are demon-possessed that God wants to take us out of. We are challenged to be the citizens of that city that knows how to intervene in the lives of its troubled youth. We are among those challenged to make available resources that provide treatment for mental illness, hate, and violence. I brought up the case of Daniel Prude because there are other people like Daniel who need some assistance. They don't need to be thrown down, handcuffed with shackles, and they don't need to be taken their lives to be taken because the mind just doesn't work just right today. In the gospel story, we have a failed community that does not, they do the same thing over and over again. If the demons are getting bigger, you better get stronger. If the demons are coming more often, you better pray more. But nothing different changes until Jesus intervenes. Can I get a witness of anybody in here? Do you know the hour and the date that Jesus intervened on your behalf? Do you know the hour and the date that Jesus took the demons away and gave them no power over you? Do you remember the day that you were set free? Your husband, your family, your daughter, your son, your mother, your father. Those are memorial times that we ought to praise God for. So nonetheless, the people are terrified by what Jesus has done. And sometimes we all get terrified when Jesus comes to deliver us from our sins. In fact, there's an identity between the legions named by the demons and the de legion of fear inhabiting the people themselves. It's time for the church to call a spade a spade and a demon a demon. It's time for the church to call a liar a liar, a liar is a liar. It's time for the church to call haters haters and say that is not acceptable in the kingdom of God. It's time for the church to go see how the Gentiles are doing and represent Jesus Christ. It's time for us to realize that if we don't bear witness, somebody else will. It's time for people to stand up, and that's why the protest, and the protesters are saying, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired of looking at the same thing over and over again. If that's how you feel, 
then we ought to stand up and speak up in the name of Jesus. So in this particular text, Jesus shows us how to use our power. If you go back to the earlier story in the chapter, Jesus had delivered the 12 disciples and given them the power to do what he was doing. So the issue with most of us is that we never use the power that has been given. You can have the power to cast out your own demons. You have power to cast out darkness in your own house. You have power to cast out demons in your Bible study. You have power to cast out demons in your car as you're driving along. You have power to cast out demons when the doctor said there's no way and you say, oh yeah, but I know a man from Galilee and that he is able to do anything. So here we are. Jesus has shown up. What happens when you show up? What happens when you show up with all of your Holy Ghost power? What happens when you show up? Do you back down from the demons? What happens when you show up and people tell you, I don't want to hear what you have to offer? What happens when you show up with a scripture and the folks say, here she comes again. Here he comes again. Do you pray those demons out in the name of Jesus? And so what we find in this text is that Jesus is willing to take a stand. And what we find is that the man is no longer naked. The man was no longer naked because he had been saved and raised up by the hand of Jesus. I got a few notes today that some people wanted to know if I was going to be putting the pig down. They wanted to know, Alex, why do you want us to read about the uncleanliness of the pigs in Leviticus? Some folks said, do I have to give up pork chops and I have to give up ham and honey-baked ham and Thanksgiving is coming? Are you saying I can't eat chitterlings anymore and pig feet and pig ears? I'm saying I'm not telling you what to eat, but I'm telling you what the Bible says. And when you go back to Old Testament days, cleanliness was very important to the Jews. And they wanted to know where the animals had been they were eating. And see, what we find here is that animals are toxic. And so the Jews had an opinion that if the animal was unclean, they should stay away from it. I believe African-Americans changed that altogether. I don't think there's any part of the pig that we don't go for. I even see people cooking pigtails, and I grew up in the South. And I decided that I never wanted that much investment in a pig. I decided that once I realized where the pig has really been and what the pig had really been doing, you ought to read it for yourself is that the pig, though it has a divided hoop, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. That's in Leviticus 11.7. The Hebrews are warned about the rationale regarding that uncleanliness from eating unclean food. Pigs are naturally scavengers. They will eat anything that comes in contact with, and even dirty animals. Pigs are well known to show cannibalistic behaviors by eating their own dead carcasses as well as consuming food scraps. Won't tell you anymore because I don't want to spoil your lunch and you've already cooked your pork chops, but what you need to know is that you need to know the, the habits of the animals that you choose to embrace. The Bible says that animals that chew the cud are called ruminants. 
And ruminants particularly chew their food, listen to this, when it's first swallowed. And these animals have a special digestive process in which four stomachs digest and regurgitate food for additional chewing. In other words, they chew and chew and chew and chew. I bet my sister now who owns Magnolia Barbecue saying, I can't believe I sell ribs. And she has the nerve to be preaching about pork. Forgive me in the name of Jesus. These animals have a special digestive process in which four stomachs digest and regurgitate food for additional chewing. Pastor Joseph, there's a whole Bible study series on chewing the cud and the split hoofs of these animals. Pigs are special in that their digestive systems metabolize food very quickly in one stomach. The process only takes roughly four hours. I compare this with a cow, which takes 24 hours to digest the food it has eaten. The longer time period further allows excess toxins to be removed during the digestive process. Meaning that it doesn't matter if your bacon is apple wood or ground wood or natural wood or how it's seasoned, it's still a pig. Another detoxification strategy pigs lack is the ability to sweat. I did not know that. Pigs do not have sweat glands and were not intended to perspire. They don't use dove, they don't use suave, they don't use band roll on. They never get overheated. They don't have menopause like some of us. So the pigs have no sweat glands. And this lack in detoxification method compounds a buildup of pathogenic microorganisms and environmental toxins in their systems and their bodies. So you have to decide for yourself. Are you gonna be a consumer of pigs? Are you going to move yourself to a different entree? You have to decide, does it matter how pigs digest their food? I also see another connection here is that when they chew the cud, see what happens with that process, it's kind of like chewing the cud is like studying the Word of God. And studying the Word of God just gives you a desire to know more and want to know more about what God has done. And so you can't chew off just a little piece, Deacon Gino, and decide you got enough. Because the longer you chew and you digest the word of God, you begin to understand what God is really saying. And so what we're saying here is that we look at the pig model and there's some things that you ought to think about. But the Leviticus reading about the pigs is really not about the pigs in the New Testament, because the pigs in the New Testament were about the herds and the herdsmen. It was the environment. And what the men and the herdsmen were really saying is that I can't believe, Jesus, that you had a nerve to kill all my pigs. I can't believe that you allowed the demons, even though they asked for the demons to go into the pig. They said, I can't believe that you would do that. So as we chew the cud of God's word, we need to look at our digestive system. We need to look at the things that we need to look at. We need to ask ourselves, what are the toxins that are entering my body? 
because I haven't studied the word long enough? What are the toxins in my body and in my mouth because I have never spent enough time with Jesus? So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. The man has been healed. The man is no longer naked. And the man goes and he sits at the feet of Jesus. He's sitting there praising God for all the things that have been done for him. And he's sitting there chewing on the cud, uh, cuddy because he finally figured out there was nobody in the Gentile land who could raise me up. But this man, Jesus, shows up, and all of a sudden, I'm no longer de-one-possessed. I'm no longer naked. And here I am clothed in my right mind. The man was ready to travel with Jesus. He had his bags already packed. And there he was saying, I'm ready, Lord. You ever been like that? Has God ever been so good to you that you're ready to go at any time? The story says that the man was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he was praising God for his healing. But Jesus said something interesting to this man. He said, you need to go back and tell the people what I've done for you. You need to go back to your home and tell the people that you are no longer demon-possessed because the Savior came by. He said, you need to go and take care of home first, and that's what we need to do, church. We need to take care of home first. And we need to go home and say, I was once demon-possessed, but I'm not possessed right now. I was once a drunk, but I'm not drinking anymore. I was once a drug addict, but I'm not high anymore. I, I have a Holy Ghost high that keeps me high all day and all night. I need to go back home and tell folk that the world will give you nothing but pain. But I know a man from Galilee. I know a man from Galilee. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He has a heart of compassion. He loves everybody. And when you're lost, he will look for you. When you're lost, he will find you. When you're lonely, he will love you. When you're down and out, he will raise you up. And we are no longer naked in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said, somebody in your house needs to know that I am the Son of God. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning. I am. So go home and tell them I'm not dead. And that God is alive. And God is well. And you are no longer naked because I fought your battle. And I have power from on high that can do anything at any time. So get up, go home, and tell somebody that Jesus lives and reigns supreme. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. One day we were naked, God, but you sent us a Savior, oh God. 
God, for blessing us and saving us and loving us and covering us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Right now, someone under the sound of my voice needs to realize that they're naked with no covering. But because you are God, I trust your spirit to speak to that person or individual right now to let them know there is no demon too big for Jesus. There is no situation that our Lord cannot handle. We give you praise for salvation. We give you praise for dressing us with your glory. And we give you praise for the gift of salvation in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let the church say, Amen. The honor Christ to you, oh my brother. We offer Christ to you, oh my sister. He will give you brand new life.